Good morning, Believers Church family. This is the part of the announcements where I try to make my voice louder than yours as we slowly corral back in. I love watching you guys talk and love one another. Well, I'm going to go ahead and kickstart our announcements. If you don't know me, my name is Zach. I am with the kids ministry here at Believers Church, and it's a joy to get to do announcements with you. But also, after announcements, I'm going to do a little bit of recap from Vacation Bible School. And so I'm hopefully I'll grab all your attention by then. Roger says, shh, with arms thrown over each other. <laughs> hey, it worked. That was great. You're like the crowd whisperer, Roger. Awesome. Well, you guys, welcome. Glad, glad, glad to see you guys. It's joyful to be up here. Um, hop to our next slide. If you're, if you're new to Believer's Church, you're just checking out our community, what we're about. We love to get to know you, your story, pray with you, uh, listen to the Holy Spirit with you, and see how you can connect deeper uh, with our community. So really easy way to do that. You can hit connect on our, our website, www.dctulsa.com. Or if you text in to the number 94000, just the word connect, the number 2 BC. And we'll have one of our pastors follow up with you sometime this next week. So if you're just, if you're just curious, it's a non-intimidating experience. You get to talk with one of our pastors and connect. It's beautiful. Uh, also, just thanks for giving, you guys. Really, really appreciate it. Um, I get to experience the fruit of your generosity. We had Vacation Bible School, which is no small feat in all of our resources. And so thank you for your generosity. Helps make things like VBS possible, our kids program out there, Benevolence Ministry, uh, all the missionaries we help support throughout the world. And thank you for also being generous with your time. Uh, really easy to give. We'll have envelopes over here if you want to give cash or check. You can also just hit the give link on our website, or there's a text in option as well. So really simple. All right, we have a need, you guys. We need greeters. So if God has given you the grace of a joyful smile, a hospitable spirit, you might just be the person um, to help fill these roles. So Jonathan Free is over our greeters. Uh, if you're interested in this, if the Lord's saying, hey, that might be really fun for you, you can email Jonathan at jfree, that's F-R-U-H, at bctulsa.com. So email Jonathan for that. Or find him in the hall. He's, he's tall and good looking, and he's easy to find. So, John, are you here right now, actually? All right. He's probably greeting, actually. So, all right. A uh, big announcement for our church. Uh, starting next Sunday through at least summer, we're going to go back to one service at 10 a.m. We were doing this right before COVID closed, or COVID caused us to close the building now. Really beautiful to have all the family in one space. It's really, really wonderful. So starting next Sunday, 10 a.m. So if you get here early, the worship band will be practicing if you've got that part of your natural rhythm. So there'll be something for you to do. But 10 a.m. next Sunday, everyone, one house. All right, really special thing happening at Celebrate Recovery this week, something called Hope is Oxygen during their regular program time. Uh, this is a nonprofit that helps with uh, suicide prevention, so they work directly with folks. So if you have experienced uh, depression or suicide directly or suicidal thoughts directly or someone in your life has, this might be a really special time for you to come and be encouraged. There's going to be a gal there sharing her testimony and more about the organization. So that's this Tuesday, Celebrate Recovery. Also, some other events happening around the community. Uh, who was here for our workshop yesterday? Said it. Raise your hand. Wow. Can we give a round of applause to Anthony Elliott and his team? That was 
Yeah. Well, we thank you, Anthony, for hosting here in our building. But he offers these workshops year-round at Plumline Ministries, and so we actively promote that on our website so you can easily find the link to register. So we've got two coming up. We have the Tools 101, which he led yesterday. He's going to be leading at Plumline again, uh, end of June coming up. Actually, that's this week, right? That was that one. Okay, yeah, I'm just reading stuff. That's an old thing. Nick's that. That was yesterday. But there is one at the bottom, Trust Building, July 24th. If you hit the Events tab on our website, you can find all these events. I do want to highlight uh, CR Sunday coming up on July 11th. Uh, we're going to be here at what time on July 11th? 10 a.m. Good. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Anna. Uh, yeah, they'll have a bake sale as well. Everything with CR is funded uh, by everyone who attends. So come and help buy some good sweets, help support that ministry. And then the last thing is let's stay connected as a community. Um, come in Sunday is a wonderful way to stay connected. We also send out emails. Uh, we have our church center app uh, and our social media. So if you're not engaged in those channels, Please try that out. Um, it helps us all stay on the same page. All right. Now the reason I'm up here. Vacation Bible School Recap. Uh, I just love to share. Yeah, it was really wonderful. Really, really wonderful. Powerful week, you guys. Um, for those of you who have normal day jobs and couldn't be here in the building, it was loud. It was crazy. The presence of God was super, super thick in this space in the lives of our kiddos and all those who helped. We had 130, I wrote this down, 136 kids all the way from babies to those going in fifth grade. Um, 30 of those kids had never stepped foot in BC before. We opened it up as an outreach opportunity. And I heard a story this morning of a kid who is not in a healthy context, came, and even today is, um, sorry, it's getting me. Uh, the songs are ministering. The little kid remembered the songs from VBS and ministering to him, even though he might not be in the most healthy of contexts. So um, along with those, we had 15 of our fifth graders who are going into sixth grade being discipled in our leadership class. It's that awkward age where they're not old enough to serve in VBS, but they're kind of too old to really enjoy it. And so they were discipled by Laura Wee, Jennifer Willard, and they'll be prepped next year to lead our, our in VBS. Um, so what was the theme? Uh, really powerful theme this year in light of COVID. Kids kind of got put on the back burner in a lot of ways. And so the theme for this year was treasured knowing that they're priceless to God. And it was just a powerful, every day, they learned a truth about God's character and how God perceives and, and, and views each child. So God knows them, he hears them, he comforts, he forgives, he chooses. Every day they learned, wow, I'm actually on God's mind all the time. And I actually want to share some God sightings with you. These, this is a fun VBS tradition where every day on Post-its, kids will write down or their leaders will write down for them ways they've seen God, they've perceived God in, that, in their world that day. Um, and we left the wall up today. It's in the fireside. It's going to go down probably later this week, but we left it up so you guys can, if you want to just spend some time and just read some of these God sightings from the kids, you will be convinced that the God of the universe loves talking with kids. You'll be convinced. All right, I'll read some of these. I saw God this morning in the rainbow. Beautiful. That was Monday. I remember that rainbow. Every night when I get scared, I'm working through a lot of typos here, I say, God, take away my fears. God, erase my fears. And then my fears are gone. <laughs> While playing the game, I heard God say, I wouldn't drop the ball. <laughs> you could take out the word game and put any, any word you want. Well, doing my job. <laughs> God forgives me when I did something wrong. Wow. 
and I saw God in the smiles of the kids in my crew. That was from one of our junior helpers. Actually, if you at any level participated in helping make VBS possible, could you stand? We just love to honor you. We had 88 volunteers come in and help. So whether that was prep week, you were a crew leader. Yeah. Jared led our Bible room one day. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, uh, enough of me talking. We do have a slideshow. Love to play for you with some of the music in the background from VBS. Um, Discipleship does not start and end in VBS. We have kids programming all year long. So if you're looking for a way to engage your teaching graces or any graces to help disciple kids, uh, starting next week, we're going to be recruiting for our Sunday morning programming um, for the fall. And then we kick off Bible Blast in August. So just keep that on your radar. Those things will be out in the hallway. We'd love to interact with you guys and get you in where the real fun is at. All right, can you play that video? Thanks, you guys. And then afterwards, Raj is going to teach.
Yeah, come on. Woo! That is our treasure, is it not? The next generation. So excited. I remember when I started uh, attending Believer's Church uh, back in the early days. All my kids were that age. And now I have grandkids. Woo! How did that happen? I know how it happens, but... Man, good morning, saints. It's good to be with you. A um, couple of things. Scott, Gal and John O. Oh, there's John O. They're, um, they were visiting our dear brother, John Smith, in the hospital. John is one of our ushers and servers. And so um, John is in a, a place where he is needing a miracle from God and to sustain him. So... Could we just uh, join together right now and pray for John and Nancy Smith? Lord, we thank you for our brother John. Holy Spirit, we ask you just to visit him in that hospital room to bring your comfort, your healing, your peace, and your strength. We ask the same for Nancy, Lord. We thank you for these faithful, faithful, faithful uh, servants of yours, and we pray that you love on them. And you bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Also, I want us to uh, say a quick prayer for our missionaries who uh, left yesterday morning for South Africa. Victor Cruz and Lori Cruz are leading the team. On about Friday, the government of South Africa began to uh, bring attention to the fact that uh, COVID was on the rise there. There's some variants there and that they were going to begin uh, considering some major shutdowns, which would greatly hinder the work that uh, the drama team and the other teams were going to do. So this morning, uh, Vic and Lori made the difficult call to... Uh, not not actually take the trip to South Africa. So they are on their way back. But in the, the last 24 hours, this is so cool, uh, Jerry Lout had a contact in New York City that does ministry and outreach into in some of the most broken places in New York City. And he, he basically opened his whole ministry and his arms wide open to Vic and Lori and the OTTOM team. So... They're coming home to this afternoon, going to get a good night's sleep. They are going to change their winter clothes because it's winter in South Africa, get their summer clothes for New York City, and they're heading out to New York City on Tuesday. So God is good. Just a little little Macedonian call, a little pivot. You know, whenever we get resistance towards the gospel, we ask the Lord, Lord, what is it you're doing? And, and where are you sending us? So we don't stop going just because a border closes, right? We, we are always praying and, and asking the Lord because there's always an invitation. There's always an open door somewhere. And we're looking and praying and saying, God, give us those persons of peace who, who will receive us and receive the message. So this brother has received them and we're super excited about that. So Lord, we pray for Vic and Lori and their team. They are encouraged. They actually really are encouraged. The team's excited about going to New York City. Hey, talk about going to the nations, right? Just go to New York City and you're there. 
So probably the most uh, diverse city in the, in the planet. And so, Lord, we pray for them. We pray grace, strength, traveling mercies. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Uh, one quick need, Vic, uh, if you have a, they, they need a 15-passenger van. Because of COVID expenses with the rental, ex, uh, if you've tried to rent a car, you know it's probably two or three times the amount of what it normally is. And so uh, that was not part of their original budget. So they've raised all their money. But uh, if you if you have a 15-passenger van, you want to send with a Vic and Lori, or you just want to help them out, let them know. So, um, great. Woo! Well, it's been a minute. I, uh, last week I was in Virginia and, uh, Chambersburg, Christiansburg, Virginia, working with uh, a community called the Dwelling Place that, uh, Chris and Craig Westhoff have been working with for many, many years and, uh, they're going through some major transitions in leadership and are inviting uh, the the team. If by the way, if you're new here, my name's Roger. I'm one of the elders and pastors, and it's great to be with you. Um, I'm in um, just a season of of traveling to some degree, not not a lot, but almost every month, working with other communities and churches and leaders. And so we got to um, really come alongside our 24/7 prayer communities team came in and ministered to them, encouraged them, and are beginning to help them uh, walk through this new season of transition of leadership together. And they're discerning and praying about becoming a part of the 24-7 prayer network of communities. But when I go into another community, you know, I am always so thankful and so grateful for this community because there is great love and affection Thank you, first of all, for for sending me. Sending me, I'm being sent out from among you. If you didn't know that, and um, that means something to me. It's important that I have a place to come back to, a place to be rooted in and grounded in. And so, I just want to say thank you for that. And I, I just want to say you're blessed. This is a this is a healthy community. We have amazing leaders, amazing elders, amazing uh, staff, and amazing people. And we, we truly are trying to discern and hear uh, God and let Jesus be the head of the church, right? Doesn't that sound like a good plan? You would think that that is what all churches are trying to do, but that's not necessarily the case. And so um, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful. Hallelujah. Anybody else grateful <laughs> this morning? Awesome. Uh I want to wrap up the segment we've been uh, in on prayer. And we've been, if you're familiar with us in our community, uh, we receive a lot of resourcing from 24-7 Prayer because their their mission and vision of which we are a part is to revive the church and, and rewire the culture and to help disciple communities in prayer. Because this is what we are called to be. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for the nations, right? That's, that's what we're called to be, this community of people who are living together, journeying together, walking together. And it is the, the, the level of prayer that we experience together determines the life of the Spirit in our midst, releasing God's power, releasing God's grace, 
All of that comes in and through prayer. And so we've been dissecting prayer. If, you, if you're familiar with the acronym of pray, it's we pause before the Lord. We get still. We let our scattered senses come uh, together so that we can focus and adore and worship God. And then we rejoice because God is good. He's a good father. And then we, we ask God, we bring our cares and our burdens before him. And then we yield to God saying yes to, to whatever he says and invites us into. Yes to walking in obedience to him and following him wherever he leads us, wherever he takes us. So this is the journey. This is the spiritual life. And so I want to conclude this segment on asking. And let's just begin today by looking at three scriptures. And as I read these scriptures, I want us to actually let these scriptures read us, okay? So if you would, for a minute, if you have your phone in front of you or you're finishing that text or checking out dinner, whatever, just set your technology aside for just a minute. And if you would, just uh, maybe close your eyes for just a second. I want you to take a a deep breath and a long, slow exhale because we are at the end of another week and at the beginning of another. This is a Sabbath moment where we can rest for just a moment from, from the demands of life, of our job, our family, and we can pause in God's presence. We can thank God for his word as he speaks to us. And so I want to read these scriptures to you just slowly and prayerfully because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you this morning. He wants to invite you into something that he's doing specifically in you and corporately in us together. So let's read these three scriptures together. Job 33, 4. For the Spirit of God made me. The breath of the Almighty keeps me alive. Let me read that one more time. For the Spirit of God made me. And the breath of the Almighty keeps me alive. And our second passage I want to read to you today is out of John 20, 19 through 22. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. This is the resurrected Jesus after he had been resurrected, after he'd been crucified. And he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And so Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. I want you just to close your eyes for a minute and just imagine the breath of Jesus. Saying to you, receive the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Yes, Lord. We say yes to you this morning. 
last scripture this morning is in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, very familiar, but Paul, in the middle of an exhortation, is telling the church at Thessalonica, I want you to rejoice always, and I want you to pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. Pray without ceasing. I don't know about you, but since I've been a little boy following Jesus, when I hear that verse, it used to terrify me. I couldn't think of anything worse than praying without ceasing. But now, as an old man, I can't think of anything more important and anything more necessary than praying without ceasing. But what does that look like? How does that happen? Last month when I spoke to you on asking, I mentioned that there is an important part of prayer that is about asking God on behalf of ourself, asking for those things that are near to us and dear to us, praying for our kids and our grandkids and and the world, and all this stuff, lots to pray for. We pray for ourselves, and then we pray for others, right? We ask God on behalf of others. And we also pray, I mentioned, for discernment, because we want to know, God, what are you doing, and where are you taking me, right? But as I think about prayer today, there is what I think is the deepest place of prayer, the, the most important ask of all prayer, of all the things we could ask God for, the deepest prayer and most important is to ask God for himself. To ask him for his presence, right? Yes? After all, if the goal of the spiritual life in Christ is to live in this loving union with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, the goal of the spiritual life is not just to make it out of this one and into the next one, you know, and, and, and it's not just to make it to heaven, you know, we're not, it's not just going to be like, whoo, I made it, y'all. <laughs> right? I mean, if that's our goal, then it's a good goal. Don't get me wrong. But the goal of the spiritual life, what if heaven begins here on earth, right? Because we're praying that, aren't we not? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is his will? I believe it's to be in this loving, perpetual union, eternal union with God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in this, this triune relationship of love. God invites us into to experience and to transform us into that whatever that that essence is his image we say it into into the image of Christ but but Christ himself is in God we are in Christ but Christ is God so if we want to be connected so saturated that he's actually enough then we have to pray in a way that actually leads us into that kind of life. Are you with me? 
This has been a prayer prayed throughout history, right? Moses prayed this prayer. God, if your presence doesn't go with me, then don't take me where you're taking me. Don't lead me up out of here because I, I ain't going, right? By the way, when I always think of Moses, I think he looks a lot like Charlton Heston. I don't know if that's how Moses looks to you. Some of the young ones are like, who's Charlton Heston? Right? But it's his presence. God, if your presence isn't with me, then I don't want to go. Right? Because the promises of God without the person of God are just empty promises. The promises of God without the person of God are empty and devoid of the relationship we so desperately need and crave because the promises are given to actually bring us into and keep us in relationship to God. Does that make sense? He's not just making promises because he, he can keep promises. And then David prayed this prayer. His one desire. One thing, God, that I have asked from you that I shall seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, he is not talking about church, y'all. He's not talking about just being at a church service all the days of my life. Because like praying without ceasing. And that sounds really bad too, right? But he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to meditate in his temple. You and I are that temple. The dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Where we can behold like the Garden of Eden, face to face with God. Throughout history, men like Brother Lawrence, whose classic book, Practicing the Presence of God, if you've never read it, he was a, he was a monk who lived in the 1500s around there and, and had a simple life. And Brother Lawrence's whole goal in life was just to be in the presence of God no matter what he was doing, whether he was washing dishes or or, or tending cattle, or whether he was praying, you know, psalms. It didn't matter. His book is a classic. Or Julian of Norwich, or, or, or Frank Laubach. Maybe you've met uh, Letters to a Modern Mystic, who, who his whole goal was to, moment by moment, he called it the game of minutes, that I could be so aware and in the presence of God, no matter what I'm doing or who I'm with, that, that I'm actually more aware of God in, in His presence than I am anything else in life. What would that, how would that change the way that you worked, that you lived, how you related to people, how you dealt with problems and issues? Do you think that would make a difference? You see, this kind of prayer is a deep inner prayer. Where the deepest longing of my soul is just to always be at home in Him. To be connected and attached. I believe that it can be both a posture and a way of life. And I think it might be the secret to unceasing prayer. But we don't start out here. Because in this life, we start out our journey seeking a home in Christ. We, we don't just automatically end up there. 
Just because you come to church, just because you pray the Lord's Prayer every day. But like Abraham, we have to, we have to leave home in order to find home. That's the spiritual journey. We discover this place in him. And once we taste it and we find it, it's like, ooh, I want more of that. We want to stay there. We want to live there because as the psalmist said, in your presence is fullness of what? Joy. Joy is a relational quality. Joy is the quality of, I'm glad you're here and I want to be here with you. That's what joy is. The presence of God gives us fullness of joy. Thomas Kelly, who was a Quaker, describes this place in the opening pages of his book, A Testament of Devotion, a great read. And he says this. He says, deep within us, there is an amazing inner sanctuary of the soul, a holy place, a divine center, a speaking voice to which we may continuously return again and again. Eternity is at our hearts, pressing upon our time-torn lives, warming us with intimations of an astounding destiny, calling us home unto itself. It is the Shekinah of the soul. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? The Shekinah of the soul, the presence in the midst. Christ in us, the hope of, the, uh, the hope of glory. Now, if that is available to us, friends, if that is a place that we actually can, can, can live or taste or touch, how many of you want to touch that? How many of you want to taste that? How many of you want to maybe taste it more than you're tasting now? Right? And I, and I want to just tell you, we, we'll always in our life be, be working for more of that. Right? I mean, there, there's a few saints and a few mystics who, who kind of who live there. But, but all, all of us have this, the, these places. And so... Um, when we ask for God himself, for his presence, God answers this prayer in the most simple but yet mysterious of ways. Right? The, the, the mystery is that God answers this prayer. The mystery is that God actually answers this prayer within us, as Thomas Kelly said. Because in one sense, God is always with us, is he not? Right? God is always present, but we just aren't fully aware of it, are we? We aren't fully awake to it. We aren't fully alive to it. So God has to do this transformative work in us to realize his presence. Come on. You guys awake? Come on, nine o'clock. Help me out. Thank you. <laughs> so this requires both prayer and practice. Everybody say prayer and practice. Right? The prayer can be as simple as, come Holy Spirit, right? Let's say that together. Come Holy Spirit. The church has been praying that prayer for 2,000 years, friends. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. But, and he comes. But here is the question. Where does he come? 
How does he come? This is the mystery, and this is where we must practice and train our spiritual senses, so to speak, to recognize his coming so that we can encounter his presence and live in his presence. Yeah? So where does he come? Well, the only place that he can come. God is present to us here and now. Right? I remind you simply that his name is I Am. He's the God of the here and now, the God of the present, the God of the moment. His name, he says, is not I will be or I was, but it is I am. And that is where he is. Friends, one of the greatest temptations, I don't know about you, but for me, one of the greatest temptations in my life is not to want to be where I am. Not to want to be in the here or now. Right? So, we dwell in the past, maybe. Sometimes some of us dwell in the past, longing for the good old days. Or maybe we dwell in the past, living in regret. We can live there if we want to. You can live there. But that's not where God is. God was there. And sometimes when we have trauma and sometimes when we have pain and struggles, we have to actually go back and ask God, God, show us where you were. That's what sozo is all about. If you've never had a sozo, I encourage you to get it. God, where, where are you? Where were you in that pain? Where were you in that abuse? Right? But the God of the present takes you back and shows you where he was so that you can live with him in the present. And you can be free to be present, not chained or shackled by your past. Amen? Some of us live in the future and we dwell in the future, dreaming and hoping of things, you know, that will be better. Or we live in the fear of the future. What's going to happen to me when or if this happens or that happens? What's going to happen to our our nation? What's going to happen, you know? And so we're always in, we're being tossed to and fro, living, dwelling in the past or living, dwelling in the future. And God says, I'm not there. I am here right now in this moment with you. See, that's the disciples in the boat, right? They, the storm was raging. And what was Jesus doing? He was sleeping, man. He was in the boat with them. And that's all they needed, apparently. But Jesus comes and he speaks peace. See, the, we Americans aren't very good at this, are we? Partially because the pace of life which we have created in our culture and our consumer culture, our 24-7 consumer culture, is not sustainable. It is not a sustainable life if you want to have a spiritual life. If you want to walk with God. So we have to live a countercultural life because at the speed and the pace of life. And because 
we have more distractions than at any other time in history to keep us from being fully present to his presence here and now, right? Yeah. But the beauty of the spiritual life, friends, is that you can be here, right where you are, knowing that where you are is enough because God is here. You can be fully present to the moment and trust that even in the midst of pain, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of whatever you're going through, something of God is at work in you and he wants to reveal that work to you and this unfolding. Something is happening. Everybody say, something's happening. (laughs) You may not know what it is. If you went to ORU, we would sing, something good is going to happen to you. (laughs) Sometimes we sing, Something green is going to happen, you, you know, as college students would do. Old ORU joke, sorry. So we need to be aware, awake, alive to his presence in the presence moment. Thomas Keating says we are summoned into the presence of God by the fact of our birth. The fact that you were born means that God has summoned you to be in his presence, but we become present to God, he says, only by our consent. Only by our consent. God will not force himself upon you. He will, he will, he will not, even though he is here right now in this room. He is present. And I want to give you three primary gifts or ways that God gives to us, to help us consent to his presence in our lives, to say yes to him, to practice in such a way. And I want to say to you, sometimes God just shows up unannounced, and for that we say amen, right? He showed up to Mary unannounced because God will accomplish his purposes in the earth, but sometimes God will not show up unless we give him consent. Right? And so, he does this in a few ways. One of those is through our intention. See, you have been given the faculty of intention, the the ability to to declare the intention or the aim or the purpose or the focus of your life. Right? So, having been made in his image, he gives us the ability to intend towards him and to attend to him. Intention and attention. These are powerful in anchoring our daily lives into him. Intention is the motivation, the why behind what we, why we do what we do. It's the heart behind why I'm doing it. Why are you here in church today? Are you here because your spouse made you come? Your your mom and dad made you come? Are you here because somehow in the mystery of God, he sustains our, our spiritual life through the community of God, the body of Christ? That's it. We are gathered today, not... To hear me, dear God, if you came to hear me, you are, you are, you're hurting. But if you came because you were like, you know what? When we gather in his name, he said, I am here. 
And there's a way, sometimes I can experience God through the prayers of others, the words of others, the comfort of others, the, the touch of others, the, the just the songs that we sing together, right? But I have set my intention towards Him. That my intention and the way that we, we practice the presence of God is to daily and often set our, frequently just set our intention. Declare your intention towards Him. What's your intention, man? My intention is I want to do all things out of love for God. That there's nothing that I cannot do, no matter how small or mundane. Do you realize how radical this is? How this could transform the most mundane tasks if you do it with the intention to do it out of love for God? You could change diapers out of the love for God. Woo! You can do all things. And so God gives us this the faculty of intention, and he says, set your intention towards me. Set your affection towards me. Right? If I set my intention and declare that my intention is to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, that actually helps me to stay present to God. It helps me, you know, with the why am I alive on this earth? Because intention actually shapes who you become. It shapes your identity, right? If I say, man, I, am, I intend to be a rock star, well, then that's going to drive who I hang out with. It's going to drive what I do. It's going to drive what I wear and, and what I think about. But when I set my intention that above all else, God, I want to do everything out of my deep love for you, it changes everything. This is why... Mother Teresa, who said, don't try to do great things for God. Just do small things with great love. You know, do small things with great love for God. It was the secret for Brother Lawrence's ability to experience God's presence as much or more in the kitchen, washing dishes, as he did in the sanctuary singing hymns. Come on, somebody. So I want to just say to you, how do we practice the presence of God? One of the ways we do that is declaring and setting your intention to do that. Right? And if intention is what we do, then attention is the how we do it. Attention is how we do what we do. No matter whatever we do, no matter how big or small, how significant or insignificant, we direct our attention towards him. Henry Nouwen says that prayer is simply the discipline of attentiveness. I like that. I'm just paying attention to God. Right? Of being there. Prayer is to enter the presence of God here and now. Prayer is the way in which we become present to the moment and listen to who God is with us always where we are. So what do you do? You have to pay attention to what you pay attention to. That's profound. But it is true. You have to pay attention to what you pay attention to. Because what you pay attention to grows. What you pay attention to gets magnified in your life. What you pay attention to, you become aware of. You know, it's kind of like when you, when you get that new car 
and you think, oh, man, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden you start noticing, hey, everyone else is driving this car. Have you ever had that experience? You didn't notice your, you didn't notice a, 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 a Toyota Camry till you owned one. And you started paying attention to it. And now you see Toyota Camrys everywhere. I don't notice what other car, but I know when a Toyota Camry is passing me. Because I've given it my attention. Does that make sense? Yeah? Yeah? Helpful, hopefully? Try it. Practice it. Tell me what you pay attention to and I'll tell you who you are becoming. One of the great stories of Martin Luther... Uh, you know, and, and there's some legendary stories. So, you know, sometimes things get attributed. So I don't know if this actually happened or not. But supposedly he was in his room. He was asleep. And all of a sudden he felt the presence of Satan. He felt his, this evil satanic presence. And he woke up, he looked over, and he said, Oh, it's just you. And then he went back to sleep. Ooh. Because there was a greater attention and intention in his heart. And it wasn't to pay attention to Satan and whatever his little minions. Because if I'm going to set my intention and if I'm seeking to give God my attention, then it means that there are things throughout my day that happen or situations that I find myself in or there's there's felt needs that I have, like, you know, the need for power and control over everyone and everything, right? But I have to detach myself from that need or desire or want. Even the need sometimes for things like safety and security can become uh, something that we, we want so badly that, that we can obsess on it. And so I've learned in my own spiritual life that I have to practice detaching. When, I, when an emotion comes, you know, and, and Anthony did a lot of this work um, yesterday and we've been talking about it, you know, and, and forgiveness and repentance and all of that stuff. It's all tied to like becoming aware, noticing my, my emotions when they come. What's this about and why, am I, why is this, you know, triggering me? Because usually... I'm attached to something. I'm attached to a certain way or outcome things need to happen. Or I'm attached to, to a fear or to a greed or to a lust or whatever it may be. And I have to detach myself from all that is not God and center myself on all that is God. Does that make sense? So multiple times throughout my day, I'm doing this. Multiple times, because I become aware of, I've lost my peace, or why am I, why am I getting so angry, or why, why do I feel afraid? And I detach, and I let go, and I surrender. As I get older in my journey, I'm understanding that probably surrendering <laughs> is one of the most important parts, learning how to let go. Let go of expectations. Let go. It doesn't mean that we can't have dreams. It doesn't mean we can't have goals. But how they happen and how they all come out, that's another matter. 
So I, I center myself on all that is God. And this will help you throughout your everyday life to stay intentional, to stay attentive to God and to his presence with you. And then his presence will sustain you and walk with you. Now, because we are embodied spirits, we're at 1033. You guys good for a few more minutes? Can I help you? Because we're embodied spirits, friends. In other words, we're a spirit that is enfleshed and embodied. We, we need to connect. It's helpful to actually connect our physical bodies because we have physical responses to things in life, to spiritual practices and to prayers that help us encounter his spirit in our life. And, and over the last few years, I've discovered that while there are many, many great uh, ways to do this, one of the greatest is as simple as the gift that God has given us of breath, right? Our breath is an important uh, way that we can actually, that can actually help us be intentional and attentive and detach and center on God. See, how does that work? Well, it's interesting that the very word for breath in both the Hebrew and the Greek is the same word for spirit. When the disciples were locked in the other upper room, as we read earlier, afraid for their lives, bound by fear, the resurrected Jesus appeared to them, and the scripture says that he breathed on them. And then he told them, receive the spirit. Isn't that interesting? What if our breathing actually could help us receive the spirit of God in our midst? There's something so powerful about our breath, our breathing. And now, you know, we live in a day and age where science has actually backed this up. Okay? Research, uh, the, this kind of breathing is called voluntarily regulated breathing practices, or VRBPs. And it says this, research on voluntarily regulated breathing practices indicates that it's, it's helpful. In one study, breathing practices prove successful to correct imbalances of the stress response systems and to facilitate emotion regulation, social engagement, bonding, and recovery from trauma. VRBPs are particularly useful with those who've experienced symptoms of anxiety, insomnia, depression, stress, and trauma-related disorders, ADHD, schizophrenia, and substance abuse. What? Listen, this is what it says. Intentional breathing interrupts the feedback that perpetuates the trauma, returning the nervous system to harmony. Isn't that amazing? That God designed our bodies to breathe. See, from the time of the early church, there has always been this kind of simple prayer that we call breath prayers. Anybody ever heard of breath prayers before? Okay. It's an ancient Christian practice. The most famous breath prayer is, is uh, we call it the prayer of the heart. It's just based out of Mark 10, when blind Bartimaeus called out to Jesus and said, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Right? And so there are many traditions in, in, in Christianity that pray this simple prayer throughout the day, just a, a simple breath prayer. 
Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Right? And all that simple prayer, as powerful as it is, connects us to the presence of God. It helps us be intentional. It helps us be intentive. Does that make sense? Because here's the deal. Whether you realize it or not, you are practicing something all the time. You're either revving up your nervous system or you're calming it down. So why not practice things that actually can connect us and perhaps invite us into greater communion with God? Yeah? Sound good? So for me, several years ago, I... I began to think about this because a breath prayer can be, you can create your own and all you do is simply this. Who is it that you need God to be for you? God has many names in the scriptures. What's the one that for you right now, it might be Father God. You know, it might be Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. It, you know, for me, I decided just to go the full money and, and go with the Trinity. So I pray this simple prayer, this breath prayer. I pray, loving Father, beloved Son, breath of love, take all of me, I'm yours. And I pray that prayer multiple times throughout my day. When I wake up in the morning, I take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. We sang the song Yahweh today, right? Oftentimes, Yahweh is a great breath prayer just to say the name of God. On the inhale, we go, Yah, Yahweh, Yahweh. Everybody do that. Go, Yahweh. There's something super powerful about it if you practice it. It's not magic. It's not, it's not but we are connected, Right? And I want to say to you, friends, that um, for me, this prayer, asking for God himself, has been super important in this season of my life. Uh, my wife and I are in a, a super intense season, you know. We're, um, we're navigating, you know, <laughs> the challenges of raising a special needs adult son at home. He's, you know, we... We lovingly joke we run an exclusive group home for one, and but it's challenging. Every spring, I don't know why, but it gets more challenging, and it's been challenging, some of the most. And then you add things like in the last three months, I've been in three accidents. I've totaled two cars. One Now, only one was my fault, but the other two, you know. And that's intense, you know. I'm like, what the heck, you know. And I can tell you that my testimony is, you know, um, while all of these circumstances are going on and raging, and there's there's some crazy, I could tell you some crazy stories. But God has invited me into this journey to say, you know what, Roger, if you'll trust me and if you'll let me be with you, I, I will walk with you through every one of these things. And so I do a lot of deep breathing. I do a lot of breath prayers. I set my intention and my intention upon him. And I'm experiencing more of the grace 
of God, the more of the peace of God, more of the power of God, even though circumstantially I could, I could, you know, I could not. And something beautiful happens whenever we um, give our intention and our attention to God, then we begin to experience the, the transmission of the very life of God into our circumstances, right? Because if you don't, the, the presence of God is what transforms our life. And if we don't transform our pain and our situation, our circumstances, guess what? We're going to transmit that pain to other people. But if I let God transform me, then what happens is I begin to transmit the, the grace of a presence-based life. The peace of a presence-based life. I don't, you know, I have my moments. Don't get me wrong. I, I fail at this, but my intention is to come back to God. My attention is to come back to Him daily, moment by moment, as much as I can because I want to live in the presence of God. Because as uh, Thomas Kelly says, what happens is when we live this way, he plucks the world out of our hearts, lessening the chains of attachment, and he hurls the world into our hearts where we and he together can carry it in infinitely tender love. See, that's, that's the spiritual life. It's not that I don't care and I've just said, ah, you know. <laughs> I don't care about this anymore. I'm not indifferent. I, I am engaged. I care about the outcome of things. But I've been able to figure out, like, by the grace of God, he's helped me understand this so that God and I can carry it together in a way that doesn't destroy my life, doesn't destroy my marriage, doesn't destroy my relationships. How does that sound? <laughs> that sound like a good way to live? What would happen if we become people of his presence? Because the spirit of God made me and the breath of the almighty keeps me alive. Let's stand together. Whoo, Jesus. So your homework for this week, friends, is to practice, to practice the presence of God, to practice declaring your intention, to practice paying attention, to detach and to center on him. I want to invite you uh, just to close your eyes for a minute and maybe one practical way for you this week is just to go through your week and create your own breath prayer or adopt one. You can adopt mine or adopt the, the prayer of the heart. I don't care. But the important thing is that you have one so that when something takes your breath away, that you can actually pause, you can actually ask God for His presence. You can say, you can detach and center, and you can breathe again. Oh Lord, I pray for my friends this week. I pray for great grace upon them.
I pray, Holy Spirit, we ask you corporately, come, come, come. We need you. We must have you. We cannot do this without you. And I pray that in the everyday affairs of these precious brothers and sisters in their life and in their walk, that they would find you showing up in the shower, in the bathroom, and showing up in the conflicts and in the, in the conversations and showing up, God, so that your presence would permeate this world, that you would saturate the earth with your glory. That's our heart. If you're here today and, and you have never intentionally given your life to Jesus, I encourage you in this moment. This is the moment right now. The scripture says that, that today is the day of salvation. So come to him. Open your heart to him. Receive him. Because there is nothing, friends, I promise you, that will uh, take the place of his nearness and his presence working in, in your life with you. And it's going to look a little different for each and every one of you. But Lord, we say yes to your invitation. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said together, amen, amen. Awesome. God bless you. I want you to have a breath prayer by the time you come back next week because we are going to take a test, all right? Bye-bye.